it's amazing. You watch something like that, and you you know watch the parking lot going up, and you think, oh, you know, and it's just a distant memory. It's just a couple of photos on a PowerPoint presentation, and it's like you think to yourself, how much work and time, years, some of y'all don't know, but years of effort and planning, trying to get that done. And, uh, the Lord knows, and uh, we're thankful for all of it. Have a beautiful church building, amen. Mm -hmm. I really do. I've been to some other churches, and so uh, <laughs> we're very we're very blessed. And so uh, very blessed. James chapter number four, verse number thirteen. I want to challenge you with this this afternoon. I won't keep you long. Something that uh, this is a message that uh, I've preached before, and so I've taught, I've used it, uh, but it's a great reminder for us at the close of a year. As, I, as uh, I listened to Zach pray earlier, it is so true. It is just another day. That's all it really is. There's nothing special, nothing unique about it. The day with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. So there's nothing unique, there's nothing special about tomorrow. You won't, there's no need for you to make a resolution, all right? You'll break it, okay? And uh, so there's no need for any of that. That's worldly thinking. We need God in our lives, amen? That's all we need. We need, we need godly thinking. We need God to help us and to live live according to his plan and to his will. We need him. And if God's working in us, then we can do all things. So this is not a New Year's resolution message whatsoever. This is more just an instruction on how to not have worldly wisdom. James chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, James has been... Digressing from this point on all the way through, really, the basically the end of James, he has been given. He's giving to us the facts of worldly wisdom. James chapter number three, verses thirteen through seventeen, describe for us what worldly wisdom is. It's worldly, it's sensual, and it's devilish. Worldly wisdom operates on three principles: the world, the flesh, and the devil. That's the principle it operates on. <coughs> And then he's going to go on to work that out. The first worldly, the first worldly bit of wisdom that he condemns is worldliness. That's found in James 4, verses 1 through 5. He condemns worldliness. Being a friend of the world, wanting to be like the world. And then he goes on in verses number 6 through 10, and he tells us how to get it right. I'm thankful that the Lord always tells us how to get things right. Amen? He never leaves us hanging. It doesn't put us on a plank, if you will. It says, walk to the edge, you know. He says, no, there's another way out. There's a U-turn here. Go this way. Go this direction. Even old Jonah had a choice, didn't he? You know, he had a choice in the belly of the whale to repent or to stay in his pride. So here he tells them to repent in so, in so many words. And then in verses number 11 and 12, he gives more, he, he discourages more worldly wisdom by teaching us that we ought not to be unjust and, and, and partial in our judgment. And then our text today, verses 13 through 17, this deals with uncareful living. And then his final bit of advice on worldly wisdom is in chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, and that deals with an ungodly concern for money. 
We won't be talking about all of those, but I thought it might be helpful to give you a brief synopsis of the chapter and where we're going. But today I want us to understand that we must always be living with God's will in mind. God's will in mind. The second illustration, as I call it, is dealing with the uncareful way of living. Let's read about it. Verse 13. Go to now. That is James's way of introducing a new subject. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow, we, shall, we will go into such a city and continue there and buy a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life, it is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and vanisheth away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth not, to him it is sin. James is condemning a sort of uncarefulness in living, a carelessness in the life of the believer. To just say, we will go here and we will go there, we will buy and sell and get gain, we'll do this and we'll do that, without having any fault of God. May I encourage you this year, put God at the top of the calendar. Put God in every single day of the year. That's his rightful place. You would do well this year, I believe, if you just still had one of those old calendars that you could write on, that you get from the bank, and you just wrote God on every single day. You would do yourself well. And not write anything else. Just write God. Write the Lord. Write Jesus Christ. Don't be like the one old Scottish woman that Walter Knight speaks about that whenever she would come to a crossroad, she would take an old stick and flip it up in the air. Whatever direction it would go in, she would go that way. One day Knight came by and noticed that she was flipping the old stick into the air and she kept flipping and kept flipping and kept flipping. He finally got the best of them. He said, ma'am, he said, why do you keep throwing a stick in the air? He said, it's not pointing the direction I want it to go. You know, and sometimes we get like that in life. We can get like that with God. God, you're not going the direction I want you to go. That's not the way I would have done it, God. Have you ever thought about that? It's not the way I would have done it. I felt that way. One time, Francis of Assisi was home in his garden. And I liked what the old man had to say. When a younger man approached him with a cynical attitude, he said, what if today God were to tell you he was coming back, what would you do? The old man replied as he continued to hoe his garden, he said, I would keep hoeing my garden. You get the point, don't you? He believed he was doing exactly what God wanted him to do at that very time. That's why we ought to all be about the will of God. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we all had that confidence in God's will and plan for our life? If that were what we were doing in that very moment, and if somebody were to approach us with that cynical thought, what would you do if you knew God would come right now? What would you do? Well, I'll tell you what, if I knew the Lord was coming at 11 a.m., I 
know where I would have been at today. I'd have been in church. That's where God wanted me. That's what God wanted me to do. You see, we're not going to know, though, when God's coming back, though, do we? We have no idea. So we always have to be ready. Always have to be ready. Be ready for the new year. Let's see four practices that will help us live with God's will in mind this upcoming year. Number one, verse number 13 and 16 tell us this. Today and tomorrow, don't say this. You already says, You're, you that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, continue there and buy and sell and get game. Verse 16. He says, that kind of rejoicing in your boastings is evil. Now, first thing I want to notice, the first practice that I would like to think the scriptures are teaching us is this, is that we've got to have a right attitude. A right attitude. You know, it's not so much what you do in life. It's more about who you are in life. You realize that? What does it say? The first beatitude. Blessed are. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Yeah, I've noticed that it's never called the do attitudes. It's never called the do attitudes. It's called the what? Be attitudes. Because life is about who you are. It's not about what you do. Because what you do determines and says who you are. Does that make sense? I don't have to go up to a man that's collecting. Uh, I don't go, you know, when the dumpster man comes and he collects the garbage and he puts it. I don't say, what do you, what do, you do for a living? I'm <laughs> crazy. So I'm going to pick you up with this fork and throw it in the back here. You know, I am a dumpster driver. I'm a, I'm a garbage man. That's what I am. Because that's what I do. Because that's what I do. You know, we should do the things that are Christian because we are Christian. And we should listen to what he's saying to this because that's who we are. We are not worldlings. Uh, we are not of this world. We may be in this world, but we that are saved are no longer of this world. We might be in it, but we're not of it. We're not unbelievers anymore. We're saved. We're born again. We've trusted in Christ as our Lord and Savior to save us from our sin and deliver us from hell. And so we ought to live that way. We ought to live differently. We ought not to just say, well, I'll do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do this and I've got these plans. You know, I had a few plans last year and then some things got out of plan. Some things happen. Some things, uh, I, you know, in some, ways I, in some ways I got hurt. In some ways a baby came. In some ways other things happened. And rain and this and blah, 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 and all the rest of it. I have plans and you have plans and those plans did not work out. Did anybody have plans last year that did not work out? Amen? All right. That's good. I think all of us would say yes, we did. But you see, the fallacy... And saying, well, tomorrow I'll do this. Tomorrow I'll do that. Next year we'll do this. We'll go into a city and buy and sell and get game. I kind of believe that Elimelech, Naomi, Melion, and Chilion 
when they went down to Moab to get bread because there was no bread in Bethlehem? I kind of bet that they thought they'd just be there for a little bit. They'd just be there for a little bit. They would sort of sustain, provide for their family. I guarantee they didn't think they'd be there for 10 years. And certainly I bet Naomi never thought that she'd lose her husband and her two sons in those 10 years. See, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen. We pretend we, we do, but we do not know. Have the right attitude. That's the first practice. The second practice is pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention to what? Notice what he says in verse number 14. In verse number 14, he says, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. Saul, our Proverbs 27, 1 says, Boast not thyself of the morrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Um, pay attention. Pay attention to verse 14. You do not know what's going to be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a, say it with me, a what? Vapor. Say it again here. Now that you know the word, and uh, here we go. Your life is even a vapor. Vapor. I know you just ate, but you can yeah, we can still get into it. All right. That appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. You know, we are here just upon the face of this earth for a very short time. We need to have the right attitude, but we also need to pay attention. Pay attention. Look around. See that life is very short and very brief. The next time you're over at the stove, or you're maybe you heated up some tea in the microwave, or off the pot, or whatever it is, or maybe some steam is coming off your coffee tomorrow morning, I want you to just meditate on the steam. Meditate, think about the steam coming out. And I want you to think this, that's my life. My life is just a little steam, a little vapor. It's here for a little bit, and it vanishes away. Pay attention. One person said that our life is simply consists of two dates and a dash between those two dates. We're nothing but a dash between two dates. That's all we are. That's all our life is. We don't have very much time. So we better be busy. We better be working for the Lord is coming. We better be working because we might be dying soon. We don't know what's going to happen. We better just pay attention. Pay attention. We don't know what tomorrow holds. It could hold death. First Corinthians tells us it could hold the rapture. Our life is quick. The decisions you and I make now, they count. They might count forever. Number three, verse number 15. I told you I would be brief, and I'm holding to it. I want to say much more with these points, but I'm going to move on. Verse number 15. For that you ought to say, that whenever you see the word ought in your Bibles, you can bank it down, write it down. That is a command. If you see the word ought in your Bible, that is a command. So here it says, for that you ought to say, and our King James uh, translators have supplied the word ye ought here in order that we might know even more for a certainty that it is a command. The word ye ought there is not in the original, but it's letting us know it was supplied for us uh, so that we could understand that the words that ye are so for that to say. That would be kind of odd for us, right, in the English 
for that to say, for that to say, you'd say, what is that French? What is that? I mean, what are you talking about right there? For that you ought to say, that's a, the word say is command. If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Tom Gear, a missionary, our children's missionary with support, is probably one of the best people I've ever met that is, and I, I, I hate to use the word, but I'm just going to use it and I hope you understand what I mean by this. But he is just so religious to say, if the Lord will, he's very religious with that. He's very, he's very, very much on that all the time. And you know what? That has been a blessing to me. That's been a help to me, to be around him. I consider him a friend now. But to be around him and to just hear him talk like that, I know that he's not saying that in vanity. He's not saying that in vain. He's not saying that to be religious. He's just saying that because he means that, if the Lord will. Paul was uh, very much accustomed to saying that. Romans chapter number 1 and verse number 10, he tells the Romans, he says, if the Lord will, I shall come and see you. Romans chapter 15 and verse number 32, he says, if the Lord will, I shall make my journey into Spain. He was always saying, if the Lord will, if the Lord will, if the Lord will. That, when you say that, what are you saying? You're saying several things. Number one, you're saying that I'm depending upon God. I'm depending upon God. You're saying to him that you want to live for him this day. It's not about you, it's about him. And you're saying it's all about the will of God. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else, as one person said. The will of God, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. This ought to be a habit that ought to be formulated in our hearts and minds. If we don't say the Lord will, it ought to at least be in our hearts saying that the Lord will. It ought to always be upon our minds and our hearts the Lord, God, Almighty, Jesus Christ, that it's His will. Well, didn't even our Savior say to His Father, if thy will be done? Right? When the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, what did He say? He told them to pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Do you know it? Who knows the Lord's Prayer? You know what? Say it with me. Here we go. Are you ready? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us this day our daily bread, and forgive us not as we forgive our And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. What does he say? He says, Thy will be done. Listen to it. You ever thought about it? In earth, or in earth, as it is in heaven. God has a will in heaven. And he says, You need to pray. That the will that God has in heaven, that you would accomplish it upon the face of this earth. Now she would say, if the Lord will. If the Lord will. Oh, I believe God wants me to take a new job, you know, in North Dakota. 
My wife would say, that's not the Lord's will. <laughs> Too cold. Uh, you know? I think the Lord would like us to move maybe over to Arizona and maybe start a new place. Well, maybe the Lord is into that thing. There's nothing wrong with moving to Arizona. All right? There's nothing wrong with that. I believe the Lord's in that thing, you say. But you say, if the Lord will, then I'm going to trust God for it. I'm not just going to do it because they're going to give me $50,000 more. Did you know that $50,000 more might not be much once you get there? Amen? Might not be anything. I knew a, I had a friend of mine one time that moved somewhere and he made several hundred thousand dollars on the move and he was going to make more when he got there. And then somebody in the family got sick. Ended up costing them more. Costing them more than what they ever had even saved up. He just don't know. And I'm not, I'm not saying that friend of mine didn't do the Lord's will. That's not my point. I'm just giving that as an illustration. I believe that he probably thought that's what the Lord wanted him to do. And maybe that is what the Lord wanted him to do. I'm not there. I'm not there to be, I'm not, I'm not his, I'm not the Holy Spirit, and I'm not his conscience. But what I'm just warning us is that we just can't have ever have the mindset. Well, they're offering way more money. Well, it's a better this, or it's a better that, or it's a more friendly location. I had another, uh, I knew somebody else one time that said, man, we're going to move somewhere. It's going to be a really friendly place. And they moved beside somebody that was a wretch. That was just a terrible neighbor. And just a and just a horrible experience. That you just don't know. You have no idea. You don't know. You might move to the most quaint little town in America and live beside the Unabomber. I mean, you don't know. I mean, you have no clue what God's going to do. You just have to rely on God. And when you do, and there is a setback, and there is a disappointment, guess what? You're not as disappointed. Because you say, if the Lord did. God must have been in this thing. God must have wanted this thing to happen. I don't understand it. Why? But I'm trusting in God. So getting all mad and upset about the thing. And finally, have a grave awareness. I dealt too long, dwelt too long there, so I'll deal with this last one quickly. Have a grave awareness. Pay attention. Make sure you pay attention, have a right attitude, take action, say the Lord will, but have a grave awareness. Now the only problem with preaching sometimes is that, therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. The issue that comes up in preaching sometimes is that it makes you more responsible. Now you know what to do. Now you're aware. Now if you don't do it, you're going to sin. Does that make sense? You say, well, if I didn't know it, I would be ignorant to it. I wouldn't be sinning. No, you'd still be sinning. You'd just be ignorant to the fact that you were sinning. All right? Now you're not ignorant to it. Now you know it. Now you probably, some of you say, I have known. Well, good. You haven't, been, you haven't been ignorant for a long time, so you've always been doing God's will. Praise God. You know? You've been doing a great job. Hey, seriously, though. You know what to do. You know what is good. Now let's do it. Amen. Be ready for the new year. I don't mean have make a new year's resolution. That's not how you get ready. You get ready for the new year the same way you get ready for every single day of life. You put God at the top. You give God the preeminence. As one friend of mine said in college, preeminence 
is writing God at the top of the sheet of the paper and then telling him to fill in the blanks. Fill in the blanks, God. You tell me what's important. You tell me what to do. You tell me you will. You lead me, God. It's not me deciding. It's not me just wishing. It's not me just hoping. It's not me just me going out on a wing and a prayer. No. It's the Lord. I want to do everything I can to be in the Lord's will. If the Lord will, we shall do this or that. Lord willing, we'll come back here on Wednesday night. I have a message. The prayer service. Lord willing, we'll be back here at the start of a new year. Lord willing. But who knows what God will do in the next seven days. We have no idea. Whatever he does, I would be humbly submitted to the will of God. Father, thank you.